Uh, how many of you like good news? You like good news? Yeah. Well, I can share some good news today. November 13th, we're going to have our phase one celebration in the main sanctuary. Isn't that cool? Isn't that awesome? Praise the Lord. Super thankful for that, right? Man, so many man hours, so much time. So the end of this month marks two years since we started this process with an ice storm. How many of you remember that, an ice storm in 2020? I know we like to, like, 2020 is something we all want to forget, right? For more reasons than one. Um, but yeah, two years at the end of this month, we'll have started a, that would, that would mark the beginning of trying to make an insurance claim, fighting with the insurance company like cats and dogs, um, all the way through to this June where we actually started demoing our sanctuary and, and remodeling it. And so what's going to happen on the 13th? We're going to praise Jesus. That's what we're going to do. And uh, some weight's going to come off the shoulders, at least I know for me, and it's going to be an awesome day. It's going to be great. We're going to actually come back over here after the service and uh, have a great meal together. We'll have inflatables up for the kids and just have a good time of, of food and fellowship. I have missed so much being able to have those church community days where we could come together and just sit and eat together, and you could invite people on that special day. We would do them once a quarter where we would come in here, and it was just a natural day to invite people to come and then for people to talk and connect with one another. And the food's always good, too. I think this year Pastor Matt's going to smoke some pork shoulder as well as some jumbo chicken, so it should be good, right? Or from Walmart. I can't remember which one, but we're looking forward to a good celebration of what God has done. Well, this morning we're going to continue to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the gifts of the Spirit were given by the Lord for the building up of the church. And it would do well for us to remember that we need the help of God. We need the power of God to live for God. Amen. How many of you believe that? That if we want to live for God, we've got to have the power of God at work in our lives. Well, why? I can't save anybody. Spiritually, I can't save them. Now, I might be able to help you know, pull somebody out of quicksand, which I've never actually seen, I don't think. But as a kid, I was really afraid of quicksand. I can't save anybody. You can't save anybody. I can't heal anyone. But Jesus heals people. I don't have all of the answers. There are so many things that I don't understand. There are so many complexities about other people, about myself, about creation, things that I don't understand. I don't have all the answers. But I know the source. I know Jesus is the answer. I know the source of wisdom. And so I look to him. This morning as we talk about healing, I'm not even going to try to answer the questions that surround healing concerning why are some people healed instantly when they're prayed for and why are some healed progressively and then why are some healed only when they get to heaven. I, I don't know the answer to that question. I can speculate all day for the rest of my life about it. I can guess. You know, I know that in, in my own personal experience, uh, in praying for one of my daughters, Evelyn, uh, I mentioned this a few weeks ago, that the Lord had given me a word of wisdom to help me know and understand what was going on with her. She was having some behavioral problems after the birth of our son. And my wife reminded me 
that it wasn't just a behavioral issue that we were praying about. Actually, the biggest problem was that her eye was voluntarily closing or involuntarily closing, and she wasn't able to open it. And so she would, you know, she'd have her eyelid closed, and we'd be like, honey, what's going on with your eye? Can you open up your eye? And no, dad, I can't. I can't. It's just, it's down there like that. And that's why we prayed, like, God, what's going on with our girl? And he let me know that she's super stressed out about the birth of the baby, and she just needs one-on-one time with mom and dad, just an affirmation of love. And so we started spending more one-on-one time with her. And guess what? Her eyes started working again. I'm not a doctor. I would never have been able to diagnose that, but God let me know what was going on, and that solved the issue. Yeah, absolutely. Praise the Lord. I know that a lot of our issues, the sickness that we experience and the suffering that we experience, is not brought on by the Lord. I would say a vast majority of the sickness and suffering we experience in life is either a result of sin or our own stupidity, one or the other. Now, we do know that there are instances in Scripture where God does allow things to happen. But again, I think a vast majority of these that we experience are either sin, a consequence of sin, or our own bad choices. You know, choices that have uh, negative consequences, our own negligence. Uh, How many of you remember Paula Deen? Do you remember Paula Deen? And like, do you remember how much butter she used? So, so again, like we could, we could eat a stick of butter a day because we think it tastes good. And, and if somebody were to say, you know, pastor, I need healing. Uh, my, my, my bones ache, my joints ache, I'm not healthy, my arteries are clogged. Would you pray healing for me? I would absolutely pray healing for the person that eats a stick of butter a day. I would still pray, God, I know that you can roto-rooter their arteries. I know that you can help them, you can heal them. I'm going to pray for them. I think a doctor as well would come along and say, Stop eating so much butter, right? Like, don't eat a stick of butter a day. We do ridiculous things that cause a lot of our own issues. Like my aunt, who passed away several years ago. She was diagnosed with lung cancer, and she had beat it. She beat it once, and the doctor told her, Burley, if you you smoke again, cancer will kill you. It will come back with a vengeance, and you you will die. And because her husband and kids and a lot of people that she surrounded herself with were very heavy chain smokers, that addiction, that pull was so strong in her life that it didn't take long after she got a clean bill of health from the doctor. And they said, we can't find any more cancer. She started smoking again. And within a year, she had passed away. Sometimes we bring pain and suffering on ourselves. You know, I've, I've wondered about my aunt. You know, what if she had just quit? What if she had just quit smoking? Now, did I pray that the Lord would heal her? I prayed, absolutely I prayed that the Lord would heal her. Do I believe that she's healed now in the presence of Jesus? I absolutely believe that she's healed now in the presence of Jesus. But there are things that I don't know. There are things that I don't know. Like, why, why did she beat it once but not twice? And there are things that we're not going to know about every circumstance. But I do know that God heals people. And I do know that he wants to use his church, the people of God, in the ministry of healing. 
that healing is a gift of the Spirit that can manifest among God's people when God desires it to, to work, and that we can lay hands on the sick in faith, and that God will heal them. Would you bow your heads and pray with me here this morning? Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm, I'm praying with such a strong realization of how feeble and how frail and how finite I am, Lord, and we are. Lord, how much we need you. You've created us. You sustain us. Lord, you've, you've made a way for our salvation, our deliverance, and our healing. And this morning, I'm praying that you would be glorified in everything that is said and done, Lord, that this wouldn't be about a person, a group of people, but Lord, it would only be about you. Lord, I pray that you would demonstrate your miraculous power here this morning through the gift of healing. I pray that people would taste and see that you are good. I pray that you would open up heaven over your church. And Lord, even if it's just for a moment that we could taste a little bit of what heaven is going to be like, Lord, where pain is healed and sickness is healed and minds are healed and hearts are mended. And Lord, I pray that even before we have a, an altar time where we call our elders down and prayer partners down. Lord, I pray that you would come and walk up and down the aisles of this church and that you would minister healing to your people today. Give us faith to believe your word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, listen, if you have your Bibles or Bible apps, go ahead and get to the book of Acts. Chapter 3, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 10 to start with. You can find that on page 911 in one of those black Bibles in those pockets there near you. If you don't have a Bible of your own, please take that one home with you. Nobody here is going to accuse you of stealing it. It's a gift. If they do accuse you of stealing it, tell them to come and talk to me because uh, it's intended for you. Uh, we understand that not everybody that comes to church has any idea where Scripture is or where to find things. And so... Uh, we want to have those Bibles to give to people to help them navigate Scripture. And so you can make sure that I'm not just making stuff up, right? Like it's actually in the Word of God. So uh, go ahead to page 911 in those Bibles, Acts 3, verses 1 through 10. Uh, some context. This is like the birth of the church. It takes place after the day of Pentecost where God poured out the power of the Holy Spirit on his uh, disciples, those who followed Christ. We see a big difference in the life of Peter, who is at one moment afraid to even minister or, or identify as a follower of Christ. And, and he stands up and he boldly preaches the good news of Jesus. And 3,000 people were saved and added to their number. I mean, how incredible is that, right? Like, that's the power of God on display. And so we come to Acts 3. We'll pick up with verse 1. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the Beautiful Gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked them to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk. 
and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were all filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. One of the first observations we're going to make about healing from this text is one that just overwhelms me. When I think about God's grace to people, this just completely overwhelms me that God can heal even when we're not asking for it. God can heal even when we're not asking for it. As I studied this passage, I, I couldn't help but think about, here's a guy in a hopeless situation, born lame, putting himself in the midst of God's people, uh, putting himself in, in the midst of the temple. You know, people were going to the temple to pray. They were going there to worship. They were going there to make sacrifices to God. And, and yet, here he is, not experiencing the power of God for himself. But walk, watching people walk in and out of the temple. Now, how many people did he watch walk into the temple with their, with their heads a little bit low and then walk out of the temple with their heads held high? How amazing God is, how wonderful God is. How many people did he watch walk past him with, with an anticipation of encountering the presence of God? You know, we don't get any inclination or indication from Scripture that this guy was interested in experiencing the power of God in his own life. We read that basically he is put there at that gate called Beautiful to beg for money. And it's really smart on his part because if you understand Judaism, you understand that almsgiving is a big deal in Judaism. It's like one of their pillars, right? It's a big deal to help the poor give alms to the poor. And so he's there to capitalize literally on his situation. He's there to receive money, to capitalize on the almsgiving teaching in Judaism, to capitalize on the empathy of people. Now, I can't say for sure if he wanted healing or not. We just don't get any inclination that he was there seeking it that day. There's also a marked difference in this man. Because you'll remember several times in the Gospels when Jesus would come to a town, you would hear people, people, if they needed healing, they would cry out, Son of David, Son of David, have mercy on me. Or they would army crawl, like through the crowd, like the woman with the issue of blood, like was bleeding and nobody could make it stop and the doctors had just made it worse. But she would army crawl to get a chance just to touch the hem of Jesus' garment, believing in faith, that she would be healed. And here's this guy at the temple of God, not even asking for the power of God. He's asking for money. No impression that the lame man was desperate for the miraculous in his life at all. He wasn't asking for a miracle. He was asking for what he knew he could get. But money couldn't fix his problem, right? That's what he was begging for. And that's where I see God's grace. Because so often when we come to the Lord in prayer, we don't even know the right thing to pray for. Sometimes we're like this beggar. All we know how to do is ask for money. 
to support life lying down. When God says, I can make you walk, I can make you leap, I can give you healing. But sometimes we just don't even know or have the faith to ask for what we know God can do for us. It's like we get discouraged. Maybe we've asked before. Maybe this guy at some point had had asked people as they're going in, would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? And, And maybe he was so disappointed because People would come out, I prayed for you, and, and maybe he tried to walk and couldn't. We, we don't really know, but I know that I'm not the only one in this place that have asked God repeatedly for things, and I'm still believing and still waiting on a miracle. How many of you are like that in this place today? Still waiting on that miracle. That's the right attitude to take. I'm not giving up. I know that God can. I believe that he will. I'm still waiting on the miracle from the Lord. I've got a long prayer list of folks here in this body that I've been praying for daily. God, please touch and heal. God, please touch and heal chronic illness, bursitis, arthritis. Lord, please touch and heal. And I'm going to keep praying because I believe God can. Sometimes we get so discouraged, we, we forget who we're praying to, and what he's capable of. But wow, wow, what did this guy experience, right? He experienced the power of God coming over his life, and while he was asking for money, his expectations were completely blown out of the water by the power of God when Peter said, rise and walk in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. It's hard to to read this and not be encouraged. I relate to that beggar because sometimes, again, I I just don't even know how to pray or what to ask for. Sometimes I may even ask God for the wrong things. Like, God, I think this is the solution that I need. I think this is what we're looking for. It's like we're trying to give God the answer that we want. Sometimes we ask God for what we want, and I'm so thankful that in his mercy and his grace, he actually gives us what we need, right? We're like that beggar asking for money. But we serve a God who is able to do so much more. Do you see God's grace in this this morning? You see God's grace in the fact that this beggar was healed. And you imagine the impact that that had on his faith, right? Maybe he had been discouraged. Maybe he had given up. But then to be able to be raised to his feet. I mean, you think about this. He was was lame from the time he was born. And scripture tells us that he just started leaping and walking. That's a miracle too. Not only were his legs strengthened and his ankles strengthened, that guy knew how to walk. He knew how to jump. I mean, I've got a toddler like who in recent memory has learned how to walk. I can promise you he fell down a lot before he learned how to walk. Folks that have had surgeries like having like toes amputated or a foot amputated, they take a long time to learn again how to walk. And yet this guy in the power of God, he's leaping, he's walking in the power of the Lord. It's just so amazing to me. He had to have been able to believe how amazing God was after he received that healing. How could you not believe in God after that, right? 
I'll never forget a story I heard about a woman who responded to an altar call at a church service. It was an altar call for healing. It was like, hey, if anybody needs healing, we want to pray and believe that God's going to heal you and touch you and, and make what's wrong right. And so she went down to the altar to pray for a sick relative. It was a cousin of hers that was struggling with a sickness. And, and one of the ministers that was praying for another person heard this woman scream really, really loudly during this prayer time. And usually prayer times are kind of somber and solemn and they're not super loud or boisterous all the time. But when they heard this shrill scream, it alarmed everybody. And, and the, the minister there, the preacher there that day was like, you know, he's thinking to himself, you know, did I go to Granola Assembly of God full of the fruits, nuts and flakes? Like, where am I today? And the woman tore off, you know, tore out of the back of the room. And he didn't understand what was going on until she came back in later with her glasses in her hands and told him what had happened to her. And she told the minister, she said, I came down here to pray for my relative because she was sick. And, and I can't see very well, so I have to kind of like carefully make my way down the, the road and not knock my shin on anything or step on anybody. Um, I don't see well. They took my driver's license away a long time ago, so I have to feel my way down here. I was down here to pray for my cousin, but as I was praying, I opened my eyes and noticed that everything was getting brighter, and it startled me, so I screamed. I ran out of the back room, into the bathroom, looked at myself in the mirror, and screamed again. She said, I haven't seen my face in so long. It startled me. She said, but I could see the pores on my nose, the crow's feet around my eyes, each strand of my hair. Nothing was blurry anymore. Everything had defined edges. She held out her glasses to the minister, and they were the thickest Coke bottle glasses he had ever seen in his life, but she didn't need them anymore because the Lord had healed her eyes. What's amazing is that she came down to pray for her cousin, and God healed her. Isn't that cool? So we don't always know what to ask for. We don't always know to ask for what we really need. And sometimes we get so discouraged asking that we stop asking. But praise God for his grace. And this is encouraging to me. To know that God will get me what I need. To know that he's able to do that. And, and praise God for people like Peter and John, right? who understood that spiritually that guy, he didn't need money. He needed a touch from God. Like, I praise the Lord for people like that in my life, and maybe maybe you don't. Maybe you're like, well, that's, that's kind of crass, Pastor Josh. I mean, sometimes as believers, when people ask, is there any way that I can be praying for you? You know, we'll give them something like, you know, I've got this hangnail on my pinky toe. Could you, could you pray for that? But I really appreciate those people who say, you know, I'm gonna, I'll pray for that hangnail, but I know that there's something else going on in your life, and I'm going to pray for that too. Have you ever had that experience before? Where, like, you're being all coy and shy, you know, I don't really want to get into it, because, like, if I start talking about what I really need prayer for, you're going to have to get a new shirt. It's going to be covered in so much snot, you're not going to want to wear it anymore. Like, I'm just going to break down and have this moment. But I appreciate those people that have the kind of discernment or hear from the Lord and they're like, no, 
God asked me to come and pray with you, and I know it was about something other than your, your hangnail, okay? And then you start praying, or they start praying for what you really needed prayer for. I appreciate that kind of candor. I appreciate that kind of spiritual maturity that Peter and John saw what that guy really needed. We're going to read now verses 11 through 16. While he clung to Peter and John, talking about the man who was healed, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us? As though by our own power or piety we have made him walk. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate, when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses, and his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man his perfect health in the presence of you all. The last point we're going to talk about this morning is this, and it's a really important one to remember. It's that healing comes from God and not from us. It comes from God and not from us. And this is just an amazing recounting of a miracle. This man, lame from birth, healed in a moment. You realize that this guy was alive when Jesus walked the earth? Jesus went into the temple. It's very likely that Jesus saw this guy. It's very interesting to me that it was Peter who prayed and ministered in Jesus' name and said, rise and walk, then took the guy by the right hand and raised him up. Because again, before the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost, Peter was a scaredy cat. There was no boldness, not a lot of courage when it came to faith. Now, maybe some courage in sharing his own opinion. But when it came to identifying with Jesus, he denied the Lord three times before the rooster crowed. And here he is boldly ministering in the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you see the difference that the Holy Spirit makes in the life of a Christian? Do you see the difference that the power of God makes? We walk in an authority that only comes from Jesus himself. We walk with a boldness that comes from the Holy Spirit. And then you see the difference that God's power made in the lame man, right? Like from being lame to leaping. From lame to leaping in God's presence in, in the temple of God. And who wouldn't be leaping, right? You put yourself in this guy's shoes. If that had happened to you, would you not be leaping and dancing and shouting praises to God? And eventually this guy comes back to Peter and John, and Scripture says he clung to them. Uh, the, the New Living Translation says he clung tightly. Now, I don't know if this is like the Bible's way of saying he gave them this massive bear hug. He just wouldn't let go. Now, I don't know if he was like grabbing onto their legs, but he wouldn't let them go. And what Peter did at this point is just as important to our understanding of his healing 
is when Peter said, I have no silver, I have no gold, but what I do have I give to you, rise and walk in the name of Jesus. What Peter says next is just as important. What he says to that crowd of people is just as important to our understanding of healing. He saw that the people were focused on he and John, and he immediately addressed it, and he said, why are you looking at us? Why are you looking at us? Why are you amazed? Like this is something that we did by our own power or our own piety. Because it's not in the name of Peter or John, right? It's in the name of the one you delivered over to be crucified. The name of the one that God raised from the dead. And his name, by faith in his name alone, that is what has made this man well again. But so often as believers... We, we put our own stuff into it, like our own reputation, and it's on both sides. God, I want you to heal this person so that, I, that way people will think I'm super spiritual. Or God, I don't want to pray with this person because I don't want to be embarrassed if you don't heal them right after I pray. Do you see how we get mixed in? We let our own stuff, our own either insecurity or our own pride, and they're really, really close, closely related, get mixed into all of this, and it's just dysfunctional when that happens. Healing doesn't come from us. It comes from God. And even if you might bring up something like, well, what about modern medicine that's out there? You know, what, what about God using that? And I will say, praise God for modern medicine. Praise the Lord for that. Think about who created our bodies to respond to that kind of stimulus, right? Who created the raw materials for the medicine? Who created the, the ability for our minds to create technology? It was all God. God made our bodies even to heal themselves. Think about your immune system. Think about how your blood uh, coagulates when, when you get a paper cut or you cut yourself. Like, that's amazing. That's all things that we can praise God for. He is the Lord, our healer. And I don't think that our natural uh, immune system or, or the, the medical field doesn't, I don't think that takes away from, from God's healing power at all. In fact, Brother Earl, are you here? Earl, could you, could you come down here real quick? Because I love, I love uh, this testimony. And this just kind of falls right into line with uh, something we've been praying for and how modern medicine can confirm a miracle. Would you give Earl a hand as he comes down here real quick? Brother Earl, would you tell me what you shared with me here this morning? Well, here I, uh, this makes about my fourth Sunday coming to Central. And the first Sunday I was here, uh, God said he had something in, in mind for me. So I come down and I rededicated my life to God the first Sunday I was here. So, uh, but it wasn't always like that. Uh, I uh, lost my wife for 20 years back in 2018 and I was bitter with God. I blamed him. And I wasn't, I wasn't really nice, but God told me that if I'd put my faith in him, that he would, he would work a miracle. So I've, uh, I've had, uh, 
colon cancer for the last seven years. And uh, I asked God for a miracle. Well, this past Thursday, I went down to the, my doctor and they uh, took my paperwork. Of course, they took it over to the cancer center and brought it back. And I so went in Thursday, and the doctor says, well, I'm going to go in and take a couple look at things, and then I'll come back, and uh, we'll sit down and talk about what uh, medicines you need to continue on. Well, I was sitting there, and about 20 minutes later, the doctor comes back in. He's got this puzzled look on his face. He's, he says, I don't understand. He says, here you've had cancer for the last seven years, and all three of your tests has come back. Everything is negative. He said, you're cancer-free. Come on, somebody praise the name of Jesus this morning. Isn't that incredible? Praise God. He's still in the healing business. You know, while we're celebrating testifying, we might as well do this too. Nate, Shannon, could you bring baby Faith up here? Would you guys give them a hand? They're going to come here. I don't know if all of you know their story, but this is a miracle baby. And I just wanted to praise God with you all. For God's provision, all the nervousness, all the fear, all the trepidation because of the things that had happened before. But I wanted to give an opportunity for our church to praise God for his faithfulness and for the Nances and for his uh, faithfulness to you all and this precious little baby girl. And so can we praise God together for this answer of prayer? Um, yeah, if you don't. If you don't know everything that, that we've been through in the last year, we don't have time to share it all right now, so ask, ask a friend or ask Pastor. But uh, it's it's been rough for about the last 11 months um, in more ways than one. But we decided, you know, a little, little less than a year ago when we, we lost our sweet daughter Ellie that we were going to praise the Lord through everything. And even when we didn't feel like it, we've raised our hands and we bowed our hearts to a God that we believe and know is good. And while we're not promised anything besides death and taxes, so they say, I uh, believe that that's false. I we're not promised anything other than the love of God. Um, cir circumstances change, joy comes, pain comes, but the only thing that's been constant for us for the last year has been the love of our Heavenly Father. So no matter what we may face in the future, as, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. <laughs>
Praise the name of Jesus. I love the Assemblies of God position on how to deal with stuff like this, like healing. Because their, their stance on it is that we should test. Like if you believe that you're healed, if you really believe that God has healed you, go to your doctor and let your doctor run their scans, run their tests, and confirm what God has done in your life. Man, I could tell all kinds of stories. So we've got to move on for, for some time here. But we, we overcomplicate this healing thing by, by putting ourselves into the middle of it. You know, we think things like, well, if I have this person pray for me, or if I repeat this mantra so many times, or repeat this thing so many times, or, uh, you know, we think that, that we're basically able to be healed by our own power, or our own piety. And yet Peter and John were basically saying, that's not it. It's not us. It's Jesus. It's Jesus who heals. It's his power. It's through faith in him that our bodies can be made well. I, I know a story of a young minister who uh, was talking to an older gentleman, an, an older pastor who had prayed for a lot of people and God had healed them. And he asked that older pastor, he said, what are you doing? Like, what are you saying? Are you using a special oil or, you know, are you standing at like a 30 degree tilt? Or what are you, what are you doing to, to see all this uh, miracles? And that minister started crying and he was shaking in his head, his head and he said, you don't understand. Nobody seems to understand. God doesn't heal because of me. He heals in spite of me. In other words, it's not about us, right? So when we pray for others, we should remember it's not our responsibility to heal. It's God's. Like it only comes from him. So we don't have to try to mimic what somebody else has done, you know, hold one leg up and stick one finger in the air. Like just pray, God, would you heal my friend or heal my mom or heal this person? John Lindell tells a story about a time he prayed for somebody and that person wasn't healed. And I'm sure we've all experienced that before. But what something uh, happened that was pretty unique that he did, he, after that person wasn't healed, he went to the Lord in prayer and he said, God, why? Why is this person still sick? Why are they still struggling? Why didn't you heal them? And the response that he received back from the Lord was very challenging. Uh, the Lord basically told him that he didn't heal that person because uh, he didn't answer John's prayer because the prayer was more about him and his own reputation than it was about that person. And so in other words, uh, Pastor John, his heart wasn't in the right place. So he repented. How many of you are thankful that we get to repent and ask God for forgiveness and he gives us another chance? Like, where would we be if not for Jesus who forgives, right? And so he, he repented of, of a wrong attitude in his heart and he went and prayed for that person again and they were healed that time. It's amazing. So we can't make any of this man-centered. Now, when we pray for people, let it be motivated by love for God and love for them. Love for God and love for them. That's what should motivate all of the spiritual gifts, really, is love for the Lord and love for people. It's not about us looking good, feeling good, bringing glory to ourselves. It's all about the Lord and His work. Tell another story, and I'll invite the worship team to go ahead and make your way back up here this morning, if you guys could. 
Anybody familiar with Jack Hayford? Jack Hayford, yeah, great Pentecostal man of God. He tells a story about God healing him as an infant. Um, he was one year old, and he was supposed to die because of, of some kind of deformity or issue he had with his neck. And the doctors weren't able to fix what was wrong. And they told his parents, basically, that over time, as he grew, that it, whatever was going on would, would cause his neck to, to twist in such a way that life would no longer be viable for him, would no longer be an option. And the doctors told his parents, say, there's nothing that we can do. We can try to alleviate some of the pain. If you'll bring him up here, we can do some, like, therapy. I mean, one years old, I mean, they don't even understand, like, move your neck like this. I mean, it's, there's not a lot of cognitive ability there. And so his mom would bring him up to the doctors several times a month for them to do therapy and work on him. And she would say that it did help relieve some of the pain, but it did nothing to actually heal the issue. Jack's aunt heard about a church in Long Beach, California. She heard about a church that there were testimonies of healing coming out of. And she didn't believe in God. Jack's mom and dad, they didn't believe in Jesus. They didn't have any church relationship. They didn't have faith in God at all. But his aunt thought, you know, this kid's going to die. Like, we got to have something. And so she wrote down a prayer request, uh, her nephew's name and the condition that he had, and she drove it over to that church in California, and she found somebody inside and said, hey, listen, there's a baby that's dying. I brought you this note. Would you please pray for this baby? And the person in the church said, yeah, we'll pray. And they brought that, that prayer need to their Wednesday night prayer meeting. And the next morning on Thursday... Jack's mom noticed that something had changed in her baby. Uh, something was different. She didn't think too much about it. But she did call the aunt, and the aunt was like, Yeah, I brought that note up there. That church is praying. That church is praying for, for Jack. Over the next couple of days, she noticed even drastic, more drastic changes in mobility of, of the baby's head and neck. And she took the baby to the doctor and she said, Hey, I... I just noticed that there's some things different about him, and, and I know we're supposed to come for therapy anyway, but I just thought that maybe you could take a look and see what's going on. And as the doctor did that, he was surprised and said, this baby is well. There's nothing wrong with him. And then the woman, Jack's mom, was like, well, how much, what do we need to do? How do we square away? How do we pay the bill for the doctor's visit? And he said, you, you can't pay me because I didn't heal him. This has got to be something that God did. And obviously, Jack Hayford, you know, he has an awesome testimony. And he, God touched him and healed him on other occasions too. He was one year old, and his family came to faith because of the power of God at work in his life. God healed his neck. Jesus said this to his disciples. Those who believe will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. That's it. 
You don't have to have a certain decibel of voice. You don't have to put a gallon of spit on the person's face. You're praying so hard. Just pray, Lord, heal. Be glorified in my life and in this person's life today. Here's some practical application before we spend time in worship. I do want to invite our prayer partners to go ahead and make your way forward. If you feel prompted by the Holy Spirit to pray for someone, pray for them in the name of Jesus and leave the results to God. You don't carry that with you. You, you, you leave those results to the Lord. I think it would be a good idea, just like John Lindell did. If something doesn't happen, you can pray and ask the Lord, hey, Lord, why didn't this happen? And the Lord might tell you. Remember, Jesus heals by natural means, by medical means, and by supernatural means. Keep asking and keep trusting. When God heals someone you pray for, you had better take that opportunity to tell them about Jesus. Amen? Tell them the gospel. When God heals you, testify about what God has done. Amen? And you give all the glory to God. Give all the glory to the Lord because it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about the name above every name. Amen?